Okay, so hey, welcome to Unlimited Seating, featuring candid conversations with female role models in the workplace with an aim to inspire women in the workplace everywhere by sharing real experiences and learning. And thank you for taking the time to tune into our very first conversation. I'm excited to bring to you our guest, Lauren Finnerty. Lauren is currently a manufacturing site leader at GE Aviation, where she leads an organization of approximately 300 people to produce composite parts for aircraft engines. Lauren earned her bachelor's and master's degree in mechanical engineering from Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio, and began her career in 2005 at GE Lighting on the Edison Engineering Development Program, followed by equipment, process engineering, and leadership roles for high-speed lighting production lines. Lauren then joined GE Aviation in 2015 as a manufacturing engineering man manager. In 2018, she transitioned to an operations role and then joined GE's accelerated leadership program, moving to three roles in three years, including component repair, materials planning, and structural machining. Outside of work, Lauren enjoys cooking, reading, and spending time with her husband, Matt, and their four-and-a-half-year-old son, Colin. They are now in the process of relocating to Asheville, North Carolina. Lauren, so good to see you again, and thank you for taking the time to do this. Absolutely. Thank you, Sunila. Great. Hey, I enjoyed reading your profile, even though I know you from before, just love going through the profile. So I'm going to jump right in. I think this is going to be very interesting. Yeah, definitely. So, hey, Lauren, looking back on your career to date, what do you believe are the strengths and the big steps that got you to where you are today? And also tell us about any missteps that might have happened along the way. Yeah, so, so I think... I'm going to not start that by saying I've been very lucky because that's the first thing that I think <laughs> I want to pop out. Um, and I think there's a lot of women and other people who would start by blaming luck. I, I will say, I think um, some of what I uh, had pretty early as a recognition that I was a good learner. So you know, I was a good student. I learned things quickly. And even more than that, I really like learning. Um, and I like things that are logical. And so, you know, I had a mechanical engineering degree. I wanted a job. <laughs> um, and really, I think over my career, focused a lot on what can I do? What can I accomplish? Um, and really challenging myself to feel like I'm getting the most out of my education, getting the most out of the, I guess, brain power, talent that I was born with. Um, and so I think for me, it's always been about not how far can I go, but how much can I do? And, and so that balance of feeling like I'm accomplishing something, like I'm doing well, and like, I'm also doing something that's challenging at the same time has really been what's driven me. Um, and I think I've, in the effort to challenge myself and find new things, I've taken some steps that I wasn't sure if I was going to be good at. Um, and I, I would say that some of those leaps uh, were some of the things that have really helped me the most. When I was afraid, not that I wasn't going to like what I was doing, but that I wasn't going to be good at what I was doing. Um, that then led me to a place that I was happier and more excited and more fulfilled than I was 
before I did it. Um, I'll say probably, uh, I can't say I've made any big missteps because I'm really happy where I'm at, right? And there's turns that are mistakes or minor things that are learning opportunities. Uh, but one thing I'm learning more uh, as I've taken leadership roles is to come in with my own values and my own thoughts and my own opinions. Um, because I've spent a lot of my time trying to figure out how to learn what's going on and see how the team is doing. Um, and there's times when I spend so much time trying to see what's going on that I don't jump right enough into, here's what I think and here's what I think we should do. Um, so especially as I you know, start this site leader role, trying to really think about what am I bringing and not just to change for the sake of change, um, but not to spend so long trying to figure everything out that I don't actually step in and, and add to the team. So I don't, a lot of general statements, but I could see your, your brain thinking about it. No, I get it. I get it. I think that um, you've taken on new challenges, which I know as well you've taken on, but you're at the same time, you're, you have your area of expertise, uh, but you're going in, you're learning, um, and you're trying to ask the right questions so that you understand before, before going ahead with the solution. I think yeah. that's what we read a lot as well that that's you know women in leadership that's the that's the skill that they bring right so then you're more open to different suggestions and inputs and uh, from the team yeah and, and maybe a, a more clarifying way to say that is I think it works in a majority of situations especially where you know some of the roles I've been in are you know I'll say kind of startup accelerating growth type scenarios. Mm -hmm. I did have a role where I would consider it a little bit of a turnaround. The team had a lot of challenges. Our numbers were not going in the right direction. Okay. And in that case, getting the lay of the land and learning was a little bit slow. And so I didn't get the rapid results that I think it needed a little bit, but I was in the role long enough I could recover from that. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Excellent. <laughs> So, Lauren, yeah, through your uh, career, right, uh, it's, it's it's a few years now, um, have have you had to deal with any sort of stereotypes at work? Um, what were they and if there were any and how did you deal with it? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's funny because I think there's been a few times um, where I've noticed it really um, sort of directly probably a lot more times when I didn't, or it wasn't as direct, I guess I should say. Um, I had a few times earlier in my career where people wanted to be respectful of what they thought women wanted. Um, and so, you know, I had a role that was a lot of travel. Um, and people would ask me, what does my husband think of that? <laughs> um, it, when I first joined the XLP program, there was somebody very well intentioned who said, hey, you have a, a one-year-old, you know, is that going to be okay if you have to move, if you have to travel? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think people were very well-meaning by that. And they know that there are a lot of women who want to, you know, balance their family and their life, but mm -hmm. 
I asked one of them, I said, would you ask me that if I was a man? <laughs> um, and I, I say it with a little bit of a laugh because I don't want people to think I'm offended or, or make them feel bad about it. But I do want them to think about the fact that making an assumption either way isn't good, right? Assuming that a guy does, or a man doesn't want to travel because, yeah. um, or that he would, is okay with travel. Um, whether or not he has a family, yeah. I think we just make a lot of assumptions and that's what stereotyping um, to me is really, really the worst part of it. If you don't, if somebody didn't ask me what I wanted, yeah. um, I would have missed a lot of opportunities. Gotcha. I think I've had to be a little bit more upfront to say, hey, I am here to be the best employee that I can be. When I go home, I'll, I'll be myself. I'll have a <laughs> great time. I have very happy at home, but I also don't want to have to sacrifice things that are important to me, um, especially without being asked. Correct. So what was the person's response when you said, hey, would you have asked this question if I were a guy? <laughs> well, of course they say, yeah, I would ask anybody that. It's important, but I think it was. Okay. And I let the person, you know, feel like, okay, they, uh, they're trying to be respectful by asking. Um, yeah. But maybe they'll think about it next time. Exactly. That's great. It's a good reminder. Yeah. Um, Maybe adding on to that then, Lauren, and again, yeah. you're in supply chain, you're in manufacturing. Um, I would think that in many cases, you are um, in many meetings, you're the only woman at your level, probably in the room, right? How do you deal with that? Is it something that you consciously think about? Is it, does it reflect on how you behave or communicate? You know, I think a majority of the time it doesn't. And I'll, I'll tell you a two second story that's kind of maybe indicative of that. So I was out, um, this was back probably about five or six years ago with my manager and his manager and the extended staff. Um, you know, it was a leader that was coming from out of town to visit and we all went out to dinner. And there was probably 30 plus people at a giant table and a big restaurant. And it was at a time when I was traveling all the time. Uh, so I had an expense report open and my manager I was sitting next to said, do you mind picking up the check? You can just put it with the rest of your expenses and you know, make it easier. And I said, oh yeah, sure, no problem. So the, we waved the waiter over and he said, oh, so, so the lady is going to pick it up. And I looked around and I hadn't noticed. The thing I had noticed that was actually even more interesting to me was that I was the youngest person in the room by about 10 or 15 years also. And I was way more conscious of that than I was of being the only woman until somebody brought it up. And then it was, it was a little bit shocking. And I think for me, it was worse than not noticing because I don't want to be noticed for my gender. I don't want to be the, you know, the female plant leader. I want to be the plant leader and I want to be respected for who I am and what I bring. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the, only, the only times it's really noticeable to me is when 
somebody else brings it up or when some kind of situation brings it up. Got it, yeah. I have a very similar story as well. Um, I was traveling um, going from Dubai to China with my manager and he asked me to come for some sort of workout um, and just the evening before and, I, and in, I, there were people I knew in the meeting and just the evening before he said, hey Sunila, would you mind just, you know, taking notes during the oh. workout? At the time, I didn't think about it. I said, sure. And then later on, before I was like preparing for the next day, I was like, hmm, I'm the only woman in the room. Yeah, I don't want to be the one who's standing and making notes. It was very awkward for me because it was something that I felt I'm bringing up. I was like, should I say something? Would that be very kiddish? But at the same time, I was like, I don't, I don't think I'll finish the workout feeling good about myself because I wasn't leading it. You know, I was there to be part of it. Yeah. And yeah, I just texted my manager at night and I said, listen, I'm really sorry, but I don't feel very good about being the note taker here. If you have something else that you want me to present or something, I'm happy to do it. As we fair, he understood. I don't think he was very happy about it. <laughs> but it's just sometimes, um, it's like, hey, am I overthinking it? Or is should I actually be saying something about it? Oh, and I... It, it reminds me when I was on a, a big team earlier in my career, um, my manager had asked me three or four times in a row to help with some of the group reservations. So when we would travel, we would, you know, carpool, rent a vehicle. Um, and so he would ask me, hey, can you can you get the rental ready? Can you reserve the stuff? Um, and I said, sure. The first couple of times, I'm more than happy if somebody asks me for help to, to do it. Um, but about the fourth or fifth time in a row, I said, I don't know if you're just asking me because I'm a woman or, but could we, could I not always have to do the reservation? Maybe we rotate. And of course, I, so this was one of my managers that I had the best relationship with. And he was shocked that I even thought that. He said, no, I have you do it because you're the most organized and I know you're gonna do it right. Um, and then I was a little embarrassed for bringing it up, but I do think at least pointing out, hey, I've done this five or six times in a row, can yeah. we all do it? Because it is extra work that takes me away from other things that I would like to be doing. Not to say that I'm not willing to help the team or do a little bit of call it out office housework. Um, I was really embarrassed that I thought that and it it was a hard thing to bring up, but I think yeah. it's, it's a diatrope, I feel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it didn't hurt. You know, in the moment there's and this happens all the time, I'm sure, to not just me, but yeah. in the moment I you or I feel like put my foot in my mouth, I shouldn't have said that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And everybody forgets but me. Ten years, later. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Ten years later, I'm still like, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm still like, maybe it's still worth it because I think it's some blind spots and the unconscious biases as well that people are probably definitely not aware of. And, you know, just saying, I feel that, hey, you do it better because you can multitask and a man can't multitask and I. I just argue with that saying that no now you're just putting more on me because you know I can handle it <laughs> yeah 
So interesting. No, thanks for that story, Lauren. Sure. So, you know, I think we've read a number of reports, right, where it's been acknowledged that women underestimate their uh, abilities, less likely to put themselves forward uh, for, say, is it for a bigger role? So can you share a time when you took a leap of faith on yourself? Yeah, I feel like I've done a lot of that every time I step into a new role. There's this fear I have that says, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be good. Um, And I think the hardest one for me was the first, I'll say, manager role, if I can use air quotes, that I that I had. And I had been uh, an equipment process engineer you know, one or the two variety of things for probably about five, six, seven years. Um, and I had talked to my manager probably every two to four weeks for a little while saying, hey, I feel like I need a new challenge. Uh, okay. And I really struggled because I had to figure out what is that new challenge. Okay. For a while, I was given three or four different projects at the same time. And I said, yes, this is a challenge. But it's not quite what I meant. Um, And so, you know, a series of events later, the project manager that was leading the project I was working on left the company and my current manager came to my office and says, hey, would you like to take the project manager role? And, you know, it's the gut tensing. Oh, my gosh, I I don't know if I'm going to be good at that. I said, let me think about it. And, you know, I had to do a lot of soul searching and really thinking about it. And I, I thought a lot about what gets me out of bed in the morning and what keeps me up at night it, and the problems that I was gravitating towards and trying to solve. Hmm. And I wasn't, this is what I realized, I wasn't a good equipment engineer because I was kept up at night thinking about how big to make the door switch or how long to make the conveyor belt or anything like that. The stuff that was keeping me up at night was how do I get my team to communicate better with the plants? And how do I help the team on the floor figure out what to make next or how to train their employees better or really get the team to feel like we're all on the same team and the same project, the communication piece of it. Yeah. And I was excited by that kind of a problem. I woke up in the morning thinking, okay, how do I help the team feel like we're moving in the right direction? And so as much as I was scared, I wasn't scared that I didn't want to do the job. I was scared I wasn't going to do it well enough. Got it. And so I I took the role. For the first few months, I felt like I wasn't doing any work at all. And then I was terrified I was going to (laughs) get like not, you know, that I had equated in my mind hard work as doing things that I didn't really get excited by doing. Yeah. And so when I finally was in a role that aligned with the things I was good at, it was like amazing. And it was terrifying at the same time. Yeah. So I've thought about those same things a lot when I move from role to role. And since I've done it now a few times, it's a lot less scary. But that feeling that says I might not be good at this 
to me is an indication that says it's probably worth trying. Yeah. Awesome. I, I was recently reading Adam Grant's uh, book and said that confidence is not knowing that you know everything right. It's knowing that, hey, you know you can ultimately get it right, but you know you have a lot to learn and uh, you might go wrong in your way to get there, right? And I think that's what you're talking about. You have the confidence, but you know that you are going to have to search your way and that's you, you, you're happy to learn. Yeah. One of the senior leaders that I only really met in the last few years says if you're moving to a new role and you don't feel a little bit of that upset stomach yes <laughs> that that you're not making a big enough swing and I, I'm not sure I uh, quite buy into that but I do think if I knew everything there was to know going into a new role I'd be bored in about three months absolutely oh, I love it I love how you're taking those multiple leaps of faith every single time it feels like every day yeah. <laughs> so lauren as you've gone through right and i know we were on program together as well what's the where we got a lot of feedback uh, all the time so what's the toughest feedback uh, that you've ever received and what did you do with it yeah so i'll say probably the most shocking feedback maybe it, all feedback is tough in the moment, but the most shocking feedback I got was from a mentor actually before I joined the program. And I had just come to the aviation business where people didn't know me. I spent 10 years in lighting and I had a mentor who was sort of paired with me in aviation. And after six months, she said, you know, I now kind of feel like I know you, but we've been talking for six months you're kind of a robot. <laughs> you, know, you, you never bring up anything personal. Um, and this person was, you know, what I would consider a higher level leader than I was. Um, and it was tough because I had never even thought of bringing personality to a meeting with a senior leader. <laughs> and, and I don't know whether it was just cultural differences between the businesses or that I was nervous working with leadership, but I would come to our meetings and I would have my little agenda on my notepad and say, here's what's going on and what advice do you have for me? Um, and never stopping to talk about, you know, at the time I, I think I had just had my son, so he was a little baby. And that's the, the key that kind of helped her feel like she knew me because we were talking about something other than, you know, how my team is doing and what I'm learning at work. Yeah. And so the, the tough thing for me was to really reframe in my mind, what does it mean to be a leader? And that it doesn't mean you have everything in order and you have all of your tasks listed and you can speak coherently about complex subjects it it means you can work with other people um and i still i still say i think i could do that but it became a whole lot easier when i also gave first so so the book five dysfunctions of a team that mentor actually recommended it to me it's one of my favorites but 
the base is trust, right? And the, the trust comes when people share things and believe in each other as people. And the leader has to go first. And so, you know, I had had a lot of good relationships with, say, employees and manufacturing shops because they always go first because, you know, that relationship that says, hey, how was your weekend? Where do you like to go to eat? Um, came more naturally to me working with folks who didn't necessarily want to talk about my to-do list. Um, yeah. But reframing in my mind that everyone has a personal self and that I am allowed to have a personal self and talk about my personal self was so outside of the structure that I tried to create for myself to be a good employee. Um, it, it was almost like I had to give myself permission mm -hmm. to be human. And that that's not the most efficient thing to do always. Um, but it's actually fun <laughs> and it's easier than to be so structured and rigid. Um, and I've caught myself still sliding into that, especially, you know, leaders come in and want to do tours of my plants um, to balance the, Hey, we're all people yeah. um, with, we are all professionals and we do all have an agenda of things we do need to do but everybody wants to feel like they're a human and they're valued for that first. That's great. That's, that's really uh, great feedback to receive. I mean, it's tough feedback to give. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been told I was a robot <laughs> or thought that was a bad thing. And that's really, I think the, the hardest thing to take was if somebody would have told me you're a robot, without the context that says that's bad, I would have probably been honored, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's wrong, but. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure that I feel that you definitely acted on that feedback because I don't think, you know, we worked together for a good three to four months. Uh, yes, <laughs> success. I know you're very focused on getting the work done and you work very hard to make sure it gets done. Uh, but I always felt that there was a good balance, which is also why I reached out to you um, to do this. Yeah, well, thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, so I have probably one quest, one more question, maybe two more questions, and then we move to rapid fire, uh, Lauren. Sure. So this is a recent McKinsey report on women in the workplace. Um, I'm not sure if you've uh, read it, it's a pretty long report. Uh, but yeah, there's this one statement there where they said that women are often held to higher performance standards than men, and this can lead to the pressure to work more and provide additional evidence of their competence. Is this something you can relate to and any best practices from your experience that you can share? Yeah, so I relate a lot to it. Um, and I've read that article and I've probably read 75 others like it who say actually a few different things that are similar, mm -hmm. um, but maybe framed differently. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll kind of take a little diversion to that and then describe my own personal experience. But the, I read one that resonated slightly more with me even that said, women and minorities tend to be more likely to attribute 
success to luck and not success to being not good. So kind of personalizing the failures. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that's especially true in subjects where the stereotype would say that women aren't supposed to be good. And so there's studies with, you know, fifth grade girls given math tests, girls and boys, Mm -hmm. and they'll be given a math test. And if the girls do well, they say the math test was easy. (laughs) If, If the boys do well, they think they're smart. And then on the flip side, if they don't do well, they think it's, you know, I'm not good at math. The boys that don't do well, um, you know, like that test was too hard. And they've actually had studies where they have the the little girls and boys fill out their demographic info at the top of the page before they take the test. And the girls do worse. Having checked a box that say I am female. Okay. And, And so I think about that in the context of, you know, I was one of about 60 people in my uh, mechanical engineering class in college, graduated 60 of us. And there were probably five or six women out of 50 or 60. Every one of those five women was top 25th, if not top 10th percentile of the class. Because if you weren't that good at doing the work, the math, the physics, the classes we had to take, a a lot of women at that point in their career said, I'm not that good at this. I'm going to go and become a nurse or, you know, study management. Whereas I worked, uh, I went to school with some of the guys in my class and we were good friends and they would say, hey, my dad always told me I was gonna be an engineer. He taught me how to take my computer apart. Yeah. So it didn't matter whether or not they failed physics or you know, got C's in computer programming because they knew or they had been you know, coached or guided their life to say, I'm good at this regardless of whether or not I can do well with that class. Yeah. And so I think about that a lot. Um, and the first time I really reflected on that was the first tough point in my career. So I was a you know, straight A student, got great grades, did well in college. And then went into the working world where I wasn't getting a grade every month. I was getting feedback that was good and getting feedback that was constructive. And and having the inner dialogue that says, maybe I'm not that good at this. You know, maybe I should have gone into a different line of work. Maybe I should do something else. To say that I don't have to be perfect at it. Um, and and that I can take failure and keep going. And, and so I think about that a lot. And I've also thought a lot about, there's a, another little study that says that men are more likely to be judged and promoted based on potential. And women are more likely to be judged and promoted based on accomplishments. Um, and less likely to talk about their accomplishments, therefore making it harder. And so for me, I'll say I'm not in a race to the top or anything like that. So if it takes a little longer for me, that's fine. But 
I don't want to be not considered for opportunities that I would really like to have. And so that balance of highlighting how failures come with learning and success, while there's certainly luck components in it, are also based on the things that I am good at. And that, that doesn't make me um, arrogant. No. It just make, is the things that make me unique. And not all roles are going to be perfect for me, um, but there are some that are going to be good fits for me. And that's really tough to say. It feels you know, like, yeah, like my friends when I was five would say, "Oh my gosh, you think so much of yourself." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is a balance between. Oh, you know, you need to be humble, right? I think growing up, that's what, at least for me, uh, my my parents were always saying, you need to be humble and not proud. Um, and that's something that I care. And I think it used to be very about, hey, as girls, you don't like brag, right? You don't say that you're good at something. So I, that whatever you said, like really resonated with me. And I, I love it, what you said, right? Boys get told that, hey, you'll be an engineer because, and they work with their dad. And it's just what we're talking about, right? Role models. I think boys have those role models every day because their dads are going to work and they're engineers or doctors and they this is what they see all the time. Uh, and we just need to have that as well for women everywhere. Yeah. So There's a cartoon I had shared in, in my LinkedIn profile and I stole it from somebody else, or, or I should say I reshared it from somebody else where there's a little girl with a hammer and she says, you know, I'm going to play with this. And then there's a, you know, flash forward 20 years and she's doing something that's, you know, involving her hands and involving the skills that you learn from that kind of thing. And sure you might get hurt. Yeah. I remember when I was probably seven or eight years old playing with a hammer in my front yard, <laughs> breaking rocks. Like I had toys, but who wants toys when you can bang rocks with a hammer? Um, and I hit my hammer and I still probably have a little scar on it. Um, but nobody stopped me from it. And maybe my parents weren't paying attention because I had three younger siblings. Um, but I do think that the ability to let young girls fail um, and to learn that life goes on. Nobody's going to judge me too harshly because I have a little scar on my thumb. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's not the way I was socialized or a lot of, I would say our peers were probably socialized as kids. Yeah. No. Uh, thanks for sharing your story. For me, that's that and I'm going to ask you later to share that study so I can put it up on my, um, on the. Yeah, my, I'll have to find it. Interesting read. Absolutely. Um, so Lauren, you know, I'll, I'll wrap up with this and then move to rapid fire, right? What are some actions we can take or that you're probably already taking that would help provide more opportunities for women to enter one enter and then grow in our workplace? Yeah. I so I think in terms of entering the workplace, um, I'll say two things. I think one is encouraging girls and boys equally to do the types of things that 
give them the broadest experience as a kid. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, teaching little boys to cook, my son helps me in the kitchen, um, or letting little girls help their parents fix the computer or, you know, put together Ikea furniture. Yeah. Um, I think that's important until you can see it, um, or experience yourself doing it, it builds confidence. Yeah. And I think when I look at demographic data, at least in a lot of companies, the pipeline of women into roles is usually not, not the problem. It's the narrow funneling after that. Yeah. Um, and so for me, one thing I, I really try to do is mentor and be what I call a ledge buddy, right? So when somebody's on the ledge and says, hey, I am really having a tough time. I don't feel like this is going well. Yeah. Um, to be the person that says, maybe it's not that bad. What are you learning from it? What's the worst that can happen? I, my first big project when I was a full-time employee out of school was six months behind schedule and it was over budget at the same time. And I was terrified I was going to get fired. Um, I didn't obviously, <laughs> um, but I knew I wasn't going to do anything that was not compliant. And I had to make sure the things I was working on were high quality and did the things that they were supposed to do. Um, and I would learn and grow from that. Now it's easy to say in retrospect, very easy to say, oh, I learned this and it was great. And now I'm a better person. Yeah. It's very difficult when you're in that moment. You're going through it, yeah. And I had a great manager at the time who, as tough as he was on me, um, you know, saying, hey, let's do this. Try to do this by tomorrow. <laughs> um, a, kept me focused, doing some work that felt like I was moving in the right direction, but also had faith in me. Yeah, yeah. And so... I try to give that to folks when they're having tough times in their career to say, this is, this is really a difficult situation. It's not you. Yeah. You are doing an awesome job handling it. And I, I think that you know, if somebody is taking it personally, if somebody is likely to decide this isn't for them, sometimes it helps to say this isn't you and we want you to keep trying. Oh, okay. Going back to what you said uh, sometime back when, like, in this case, you had somebody who helped you because he saw potential. Yeah. Right. And yeah. That's, that's really good. Taking a risk on somebody maybe who's new as well, but taking that risk and then putting the time in. Yeah, that's a great point. Really, you know, trying to look at who am I helping up in the organization? Yeah. And to say, you may not have had all of these experiences already, yeah. but I believe you can get there and I'll work with you to get there. Awesome. Awesome. We need more, more of us doing more of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go to rapid fire. Now you may see me looking at the questions. So I'm going to keep my questions page open. So don't mind that I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. No judgment. 
Okay, so I'm gonna do this like quick because you're supposed to be rapid fire. Um, idea of a perfect holiday. Oh, one where I can be outside. I love hiking national parks. It's relaxing for me. Okay, so maybe that links into the next one, which is what's your favorite morning routine? Ooh, so I wake up really early, like 4 a.m. so that I can work out and then get into, usually manufacturing starts at 6, 7 a.m. with a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your leadership style in one or two words? Uh, I would say collaborative. Um, I like to make sure everybody feels included, has their say, and really, I look for the the hidden talent or the the good contributions that everybody can bring to the the table. Awesome. What's your uh, go-to or clutch word? I've been talking to you. I haven't heard any, so I'm just, I'm curious. I, I call my saying myself saying you know about four times and then I realized because I was talking about you probably didn't know so <laughs> I'm gonna try to extract that from my vocabulary um, what's the one thing um, that would surprise one thing about you that people who work with you would be surprised to know Ooh. that's was that in the original list? <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, um, well, I have to say the feedback about the robot thing was new to me, so. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks for helping with that one. <laughs> I, I f you know, I feel like I'm pretty consistent and easy to understand, so I don't think there's a ton that's surprising. I have a lot of little fun facts. I used to run marathons. Okay. I read like a book a week, usually on audio. Awesome. At okay. 2x speed because I can't handle slow speakers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your blind spot? Oh, you know, I, I think I already said it. So my blind spot is really taking that step back and going slow. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't wanna say building relationships, but making it, it a point to treat everybody first like people. Um, it, and maybe if I flip that, I believe I treat other people like people, but I don't recognize myself as a person. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's one learning from all your experience, Lauren, that um, you want to share with women in the workplace who are trying to grow their careers? Yeah, so I'll say two things. I think one is to, to have fun um, and to find out what it is that you think is fun. Mm -hmm. And then to take away the, I don't think I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. um, give yourself some some grace to say nobody's perfect and no project is going to go perfectly no role is going to be a perfect fit um, but if you have fun doing it and you make some progress maybe it's one step forward two steps back two steps forward one step back spinning around in a circle it doesn't need to be straightforward but to to try it and to enjoy the journey that's that's great advice 
think that having fun piece is really important, right? Instead of always thinking about, hey, can I do this well? Would I be good at it? Pick what you like doing and at least pick a role that gives you a lot of what you enjoy doing and it makes the journey more fun. I love it. Yeah. So Lauren, what stresses you out? Uh, some days everything. <laughs> um, so I think maybe two things I'll say. One is interacting with people who are, uh, I'll say willfully unhappy. Mm -hmm. So I'm a firm believer that happiness is a choice and that everything we do is a choice. Um, I don't believe in calling something a sacrifice. If it's a sacrifice, it means you, you pick the thing you didn't want to pick. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's stressful to me to be around people who feel like being unhappy is how you have to be, or that you have to make sacrifices in order to be where you want to be. I, I, I'm very much a believer in having the ability to choose. Yeah. And I may make a wrong choice and things don't go the way I want, but I chose that and I'm going to learn from that. Um, so, so I'll say it's stressful for me to be in an environment where people think that that's a requirement. Yeah. Um, and it's stressful, I'll say on the flip side, to still continue to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not good at this. <laughs> For as much as I think about that and I feel like it's a choice and I should know better and I've been through this now uh, yeah. eight or 10 times in my career. Um, I started a new job this week. And it's the same thing. It's <laughs> maybe you're not that good at this. <laughs> I just speaking about the same Ajib Grant book. He talks about the imposter syndrome and he says, you know, a bit of it is good because it drives you to be more open and you know learn and not take for granted that you know you got it because that's what's going to make people uh, get you to the point of almost arrogance and then making mistakes so um, yeah and i know this is supposed to be rapid fire but if, if you have two, <laughs> two minutes for a story I'll, yes, I'll, i will say there's there's always a balance to everything and even that statement that says the, the little bit of imposter syndrome that helps you recognize your your challenges or your weaknesses and work harder on them. I learned in a, actually my first XLP assignment where I was really stressed, really trying to get up the learning curve quickly. And I would come home after a what I would consider a regular long day of manufacturing, um, eat dinner, put my son to bed, and then I would take my computer out and I would look at the data. I would work on spreadsheets. I would do more work until about 10 o'clock and then I'd go to bed. And I did that for a few months. And I, I'll just say I had an incident where I was not very nice to some visitors in the plant. Okay. Um, and my manager told me, you can't do that. And I really thought about, I'm not, I'm a collaborative person, I told you. I'm a nice person. I'm, I'm not the type of person that yells at people. But as I was reflecting on it, I wasn't sleeping well. I can't do work at 10 o'clock and go straight to bed. And so I had to figure out that's a boundary of mine. Unless, you know, I can do it once in a while if it's 
I just need to finish up this one thing. Huh. I can't make a routine of it. Cause for me, my boundary says I go home, I start to calm down. Yeah. I go to bed early so I get enough sleep. Um, and, and so I think there's, for me, I had a lot of learning in how do I take care of myself enough that I can keep doing this? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really good example. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's, that's important, especially, you know, when we talked about all of that, you feel you have to prove yourself, tend to work harder. I think it's, it's connected to all of that. <laughs> so yeah. You need to yeah. Step and I don't care how many of my colleagues are sending me emails at 8 PM. Like I don't have to respond today. Yeah. Yeah. So the last question, and okay. I just mentioned you, you read a lot or listen a okay. lot. So what are you reading or listening to right now? Sure. So uh, I am actually rereading uh, a book called The First 90 Days. Okay. So I've actually read it for the last four or five jobs I've taken as a, a way to calm my imposter syndrome. Because <laughs> I am going to take an action to feel like I'm better at this, but to really think about in every new role, how do I learn? How, how do I figure out what it is that I am bringing to this role? Got it. I have it somewhere on my shelf there. Yes, it is. A good <laughs> awesome, cool. Um, Lauren, those were the questions I had. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for being so open and candid and sharing your experience. I think it's going to be really helpful to um, the women that listen to our uh, podcast and our conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sunila. It was my pleasure. Uh, just going to stop recording.